Lord's house this morning. Trust that God has blessed your week and uh, that we're going to have a good time together in the Lord today as we try to study his word. And uh, the uh, subject of the sermon this morning is a testimony of God's faithfulness to Paul and all. And what I mean by that is God was faithful to Paul, but he's faithful to all of us as well. Uh, and uh, so I trust that uh, that will be a blessing to us as we study and consider about God's faithfulness to each and every one of us. Um, I, I don't suppose I need to apologize to Brother Steve for, for doing this. Uh, I'm not saying he, he covered Acts chapter 18 very thoroughly, and I was blessed by the lesson. But as he's been teaching this thought about how God was faithful to Paul despite all the things that happened in his life, uh, and uh, I thought, well, I tried to work on other sermons this week, and this just kept coming back to me. So here we are, Acts chapter 18. We're going to start by reading verses 1 through 17. And pray for me in the clicker. <clears throat> and if you'd like to stand... As, we, as I read these, the, this, this passage of Scripture, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to come to them, he came to them, uh, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was completely compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord and all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Gallio was personal, was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, 
Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should hear with, bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you teach us in your word. And thank you that you are a faithful God and that we can learn about this great and wonderful truth from so many different uh, ways. And I pray that you'd guide our thoughts today as we study about your faithfulness to the, the Apostle Paul and to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're talking about today, God is faithful, uh, which is a wonderful subject. If we read through the Bible, uh, we find it over and over again, taught and, uh, and repeated by David and for, by others about God's faithfulness. And I thought it would be good for us to start out this morning just with a few verses from the Bible talking about the faithfulness of God. 1 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And then Psalm 36, verse 5. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And then Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, that well-known scripture, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And finally, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And so uh, today we're talking about the faithfulness of God. Uh, and uh, because we know ourselves and because we know other people, it may be hard for us to imagine that there is someone who is always faithful always dependable, always can rely on him. In a world that's full of people who <clears throat> look out for number one, look out for ourselves primarily, if we'll be honest with ourselves. Uh, and um, 
But how could you have a person who is absolutely faithful and dependable and trustworthy? Being faithful is not something God does. It's who he is. God is faithful. Faithfulness is essential to his being. Without it, he would not be God. In fact, for him to be unfaithful would be to go against himself. When God makes a promise, he assured us that he will fulfill it. When God speaks to you, know that he will act. The Bible assures us that over and over again, God never forgets. He doesn't fail. He never falters. He never goes against his word. And so, consider first of all God's faithfulness to the Apostle Paul through many trials. And this is sort of a review of uh, some of the things that we've been studying in our uh, Sunday morning Bible study that Brother Steve teaches. And it's been a great study and uh, uh, I've learned a lot and I, I appreciate that. But some of the things that Paul learned about the faithfulness of God. First of all, God's servants all go through difficult times. Now, the Bible never promises us that we'll always have smooth sailing, but that there are going to be problems and difficulties and persecutions possibly. Um, but um, one of the problems I think that we make, uh, we have our Bible heroes, our spiritual heroes, we tend to put them up on a pedestal uh, and to think that, you know, they don't have to worry about all these problems and fears and uh, worries that we have. But I, I think if you look closely at the life of the Apostle Paul and his writings in the epistles, you'll find that he also went through difficulties. He described being about we could talk about being bold, fearless, courageous, and determined. But the reality in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And uh, why was Paul feeling fear and weak and so forth? Because he was a human being. Because he was weak in the flesh and Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, that experience where uh, he prayed three times that God would remove the thorn in the flesh, but God said, no, I can't do that. And Paul said, uh, most gladly, therefore, will I gr rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so Paul had his problems. Paul had his difficulties. Paul had his fears, but he trusted in God and God led him through. And so we'll go to a flashback over to Asia Minor. And uh, when Paul was on the second missionary journey and, and he was preaching the gospel there, and um, uh, God closed doors. God put up red lights. Uh, Paul wanted to go to the province of Asia, and the Holy Spirit said no. Then uh, Paul decided that he would go to Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit put up another red light. The Bible says they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. 
And then we find out the reason Paul put the red lights, closed the doors to those places. Because Paul had a vision from God. And in that vision, there was a man from Macedonia saying, pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel of them. And so Paul immediately followed God's direction in the vision to go to Philippi and to preach the gospel. He was going to the Asian continent, the, I'm sorry, the European continent for the first time to spread the gospel, and this was God's plan. But you'd think, since God told him to go to Philippi, he received the vision commanding him to go, that God, Paul would have had smooth sailing in Philippi. But that wasn't the case. We all know the story how Paul was preaching the gospel and there was this slave girl who was possessed of a demon and her masters used her to tell fortunes to make money. And she continued following Paul and declaring this man is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and so forth. And so one day Paul just had enough of it and he turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, I command the demon to come out of you. And so she was freed and she was released. But he preached the gospel, but the masters had him thrown, beaten and thrown into prison. And we all know that story. But God was faithful because God sent the earthquake and God delivered Paul and Silas from the prison. And uh, then it was on to Thessalonica. Again, preaching the gospel. Again, opposition came. Again, uh, people forcing him to leave and go on to Berea. And those people followed him even in Berea. And uh, he continued to try to preach the gospel. And he had to leave and go into Berea. And then leaving his other team members behind, Timothy and Silas and probably Luke, um, he went on to Athens. We know that story and, and how he preached and taught the word uh, on the Areopagus. But then Paul went on to Corinth. And uh, Paul's conclusion in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, and remember he has gone from Athens, he's now in Corinth, and finally later he writes back to Corinth, and in that first epistle he writes these words, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Paul could conclude to the Corinthian Christians that through all of his ministry, through all of his trials, through all of the beatings, through all of the opposition, that God was faithful. We don't always understand why things happen the way they do. But God is faithful. And if we will remain true and faithful to him,
He will lead us through. And then one of these days, like the Apostle Paul, we can also say the words, God is faithful. God was faithful. Well, come on, slide. Caleb, well, Caleb's gone. The slide is not changing. Hmm. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, we'll just go on to the next point and... Um, Okay, Robert's trying to, what did you do to the clicker, Steve? <laughs> okay, there it is. Uh, maybe the next one will work. God's faithfulness, God was faithful to raise up godly co-workers. And so, you know, uh, Paul wasn't a one-man uh, team. We, you know, in, in football, we hear about all these uh, famous quarterbacks, and they they get all the glory and uh, and so forth, and so forth. But they couldn't do anything without the rest of the team, and so uh, Paul was the same. He was the leader. He was God's chosen vessel to preach the gospel, but he had. Godly co-workers, faithful co-workers. And uh, so uh, we, we left Paul. He was alone in Athens and then later alone in Corinth. And uh, Silas and Timothy had remained in Berea. But Paul needed help. And uh, I think that as we consider our own situation, our own need in, in our church... Uh, we need to pray. Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 says, Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. And so we need to pray. And so in Corinth, uh, verse 2 of our scripture today, And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. And so, uh, <clears throat> ah, it worked. So, <clears throat> well, there it goes, okay. Uh, and so, uh, Paul was in Corinth alone. And then he led them to Aquila and Priscilla. And they became faithful co-workers of Paul. And God used him and them together. Uh, and um, the, the reason he needed Aquila and Priscilla was simply because they were tent makers and as a Jewish rabbi, they had to learn a trade. And uh, Paul's trade was tent making. And so God led him to Aquila 
and Priscilla. And God was faithful to provide funds for the work in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And uh, we've been studying about his missionary journeys and all the places that he went to. Well, that required support. That required funds. And Paul could not do it alone. And so God was faithful to provide all of the things. uh, Well, I'm going to throw the clicker away and forget about it. Uh, Okay. Well, it's going backwards. Uh, Okay. So much for the clicker. Y'all just listen to me. Um, Paul, God was faithful to provide funds for the work of ministry. Uh, Paul never advertised his needs for personal support. He trusted God. Uh, He gladly made known the the needs of others. Uh, If you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9... He was raising funds for the support of the poor saints in Jerusalem. But he never asked for support for himself. When he ran out of funds, he would just start making tents until the Lord provided the needed support. And so God was faithful in leading Paul to Aquila and Priscilla. And uh, they were tent makers. And uh, they had providentially been forced to leave Rome. And God had brought them to Corinth. And there Paul met them and uh, they became a ministry together. Not only making tents, but in preaching the gospel in the synagogues on the Sabbath. And uh, then God's faithfulness was demonstrated once again when Silas and Timothy came from Berea on into Corinth. And uh, they brought news of God's blessing on the churches in Macedonia and in Philippi. But they also brought support and gift from the churches and the Christians in Philippi. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9. When I was present with you and in need... I was a burden to no one, for what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied, and in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. And so Timothy and Silas brought offerings, love offerings, from the Philippian Christians to Paul at Corinth. So that now he could leave the tent making business and get back to full time ministry. And uh, then God was faithful to bring converts into the ministry of Paul, even in the face of opposition. Verses 7 and 8 of our scripture And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household and many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. 
And so here Paul has all this opposition. But God still blessed greatly with bringing several people to salvation. Uh, including, and I think this is sort of ironic, he, he brought to salvation uh, the man that lives next door to the synagogue, Justice, and uh, used him to open his house to the gospel. And uh, then the ruler of the synagogue, the leader of the synagogue, was also saved. And um, Paul's gospel message there in Corinth evidently reached down to the very dregs of society. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And so Corinth was a very immoral city. We, we remember that uh, at Corinth there was the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And they had a thousand prostitutes there that plied their trade there out of the temple of Aphrodite. And uh, it was a very evil place and a very evil city. In fact, um, the 5th century B.C., the Greeks coined a phrase to Corinthianize meant someone who was living a very immoral life. And so it was that out of all of that atmosphere in Corinth that God reached down and saved some of those lost sinners who were living immoral lives. The power of God and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ can save anyone and everyone. And then Paul, God was faithful to give Paul a vision of encouragement. Verses 9 through 11. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you and to, to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Paul needed it, when he needed special encouragement, special direction, special guidance, God sent a vision. Um, this is one of six visions that Paul received in the book of Acts. And each one of those visions came at a critical time in Paul's ministry. This vision was not a strong impression, but rather Paul, I believe, actually saw Jesus Christ and heard him speak audibly. Now, the question comes, does God still appear to people in visions today like he did the Apostle Paul? Well, I, I must confess to you that I've never had such a vision. I, 
I know that God's word in our hearts and God's Holy Spirit residing in us, giving us impressions and burdens and guidance to do a certain thing. But uh, I don't think that God appears in visions near as much as or as frequently as some of our charismatic or Pentecostal friends think. And I I remember, and uh, this is a a rabbit trail, but uh, over in Taiwan we had uh, a lot of missionary friends uh, from other denominations, other mission boards, and so forth. And um, one of those was a, a dear friend, She and her husband loved the Lord. And we were invited by a third family to go to their house to eat dinner one night. And the wife of this, I'll call them Pentecostal missionaries, told about a vision that a friend in Finland had had. A vision of going to heaven, seeing their son who was born, stillborn, and now he was a teenager, and so they got, they got to see their son and so forth. And uh, this dear lady believed that vision. Well, I, I don't think that uh, God speaks to people in, in that way. That's my personal conviction. But through this vision that God gave to Paul, God confirmed three things to Paul. First of all, the Lord promised his presence. He said, for I am with you. When Jesus gave us the great commission, he promised, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we have that promise from the Lord Jesus Christ, and he repeated it to Paul in this vision that I will never leave you. I am with you. And God's promise to Israel Many years ago, still applies to us today. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The Lord promised his presence. And then the Lord promised his protection. He said, no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Now, I don't think this was a general promise that applied to every situation in Paul's life or in our life. Uh, But it applied only to Paul's time there in Corinth. At other times, we know certainly that Paul did suffer physical attacks. But for now, in Corinth, in that period of ministry where he was there for a year and a half, continuing to preach the gospel, God promised that he will protect him from physical attack. 
The application for us is not that God's servants are guaranteed physical safety. Many of his servants are killed because of their witness. But we can know that no one can touch us unless, unless it is the Father's purpose. And as long as he has a mission for us to accomplish, he's going to keep his protective hand upon us. And then thirdly, in this vision, God provided his purpose to Paul. Paul, God said in the vision, speak and do not keep silent. In other words, Paul, I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to be faithful to the calling. I have sent you far hence unto the Gentiles, and I want you to carry the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone believes, and I want you to carry it to the ends of the earth. First Corinthians chapter one verse eighteen that he wrote back to, to that Corinthian church and he said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so God was faithful in all of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and we can take heart that he will be faithful to us as well. Uh, through all of our times until we leave this world. And I don't want to let you out too early. Uh, I, I would like to share with you, if I might, just a few minutes of personal testimony. Um, you've heard me tell the story many times about my salvation growing up on the farm out in West Texas and God calling me to preach and simultaneously God calling me to be a foreign missionary. And the first Sunday after I graduated from high school, I surrendered to preach. My first semester at Jacksonville College, I surrendered to be a foreign missionary. At the time, I didn't know where, I didn't know how, I didn't know when, but I just knew that God had laid that burden on my heart. I couldn't escape it. And so I said, Lord, here I am. And it was... That was in the um, probably the year 1955 when I surrendered to be a foreign missionary. And then fast forward a few years to 1959. I've now graduated from college. I'm attending seminary in Jacksonville, Texas. And I attend, Barbara and I attend the commencement ceremonies of Jacksonville College that spring of 1959. And there happened to be a missionary to Taiwan 
who was an alumnus of Jacksonville College. He was at the graduation ceremonies. After it was over, he was the best friend to my barber's brother-in-law, Brother Paul Pearfield. And so the two of them, Brother Jack Bateman and Brother Paul Bearfield, went to our house and stayed up late talking about Taiwan and letting us ask questions and so forth. And God used that to plant in our hearts the fact that he wanted us to surrender our lives to go to Taiwan. Fast forward to the year 1960. I'm now pastor of the Friendship Baptist Church at Mount Pleasant, Texas. We took our youth from the church to encampment at Dangerfield, Texas, down in the deep piney woods of East Texas. Guess who the speakers were at that encampment? Jack and Latrell Bateman. And uh, in one of the morning services at the encampment, Latrell gave her testimony. And uh, from a very early age, Latrell had felt the call and the burden to go to China to preach the gospel. There's a book written about her, The Girl with a Missionary Heart. Believe it or not, she was one of those uh, young ladies. She wanted to go to China. She wanted to be able to fit in when she got to China. The story is that she kept holding her eyes up skin up to stretch it so that she would be slant-eyed like the Chinese. Now, the Chinese probably wouldn't appreciate me using that terminology, but we don't have any here today. But anyway, um, and if you knew Latrell Bateman, you'd have to swear she did have slanted eyes. But anyway, that morning after her testimony, Barbara and I went forward and surrendered our life to go to Taiwan as missionaries. Well, God's wheels move fast sometimes. This was June of 1960. We were appointed as missionaries to Taiwan in August of 1960. In December of 1960, I left the church at Mount Pleasant, moved in with Barbara's parents in Mineola, Texas. And I had the privilege of preaching in February of 1961 at the Jacksonville College and Seminary Bible Conference on Wednesday night when all, they met in the gymnasium 
and all of the local area churches would dismiss their Wednesday night prayer meeting to come to the Bible conference. And here I was, this scared stiff 24-year-old preaching to more people than I'd ever, ever preached to in, in my life. Well, I got through the sermon. But when we got back home to Mineola, I had this terrible, terrible stomachache, which turned out to be a ruptured appendix. And so, you know, we went to bed, and it just kept getting worse. At 5.30 the next morning, called my in-law's doctor, and he came, and he said, well, you may be a virus. Well, by the time his clinic opened the next morning, I couldn't straighten up. Long story short, I ended up in the hospital in Tyler, Texas, three surgeries, and a case of deep vein thrombosis in my right leg. 47 days in the hospital. Now, with that kind of situation, what would you think? I must confess that the thought came into our minds. God, are you trying to tell us something? Are you trying to tell us that we've made a mistake, that you didn't want us to surrender to go to Taiwan? Maybe when we get to heaven, I can ask the Lord that. I don't know. I don't think I'll be worried about that then, though. But... In my life, at that time, I went back and remembered as a teenager feeling God's call and the surrender in college to be a foreign missionary and how God had led us to know Jack Bateman and hear about the work in Taiwan and the fact that we had total peace in our heart that that was what God wanted us to do. And now, all these years later, I didn't do the calculation on this, but from 19... 61 to 2021. How many years is that, you math? 60? Okay. 60 years later, I look back over all the things that happened in all of those 40 years that we spent in Taiwan and I can declare to you today that I have full assurance that God is faithful. God is faithful. He has never left us. And 
as we get older. When I get old, God is still going to be faithful. God is still going to be with us. You know, I spent four hours in a dentist chair on Friday of this week. It wasn't fun. But God is faithful. You know what? Did you know I had two crowns put on? Two, two teeth that were badly decayed and so forth and needed crowns. And right there while you're sitting in the dentist chair, they put, make you two new crowns. How is that possible? You know. Of course, when I paid for it, I understood why. But anyway, God is faithful. And I'm glad to declare to you today that God is my faithful God. He was faithful to the Apostle Paul. He's faithful to each and every one of his children. And so I pray that uh, God will encourage each one of us to know and believe that God is faithful. Brother Steve, will you want to come lead us in a hymn?